You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle Network, podcast episode 84, Jeremy Birenbaum, classic.com. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Darren and his CFC team are ever searching for interesting automotive happenings, real stories about real car people, and fun features to inform and entertain you. Each week, the Cars of Carlisle crew brings you show topics ranging from car shows to team adventures to auto racing weekends to behind-the-scenes human interest stories from car nuts that live across town, across the country, or even across the globe. Come join the road trip. Today, ride along to San Francisco to visit Jeremy Berenbaum, the creative director for online car community Classic.com. As a classic car and truck aficionado, Jeremy and his team share amazing experiences and unique adventures, all while contributing great things to the classic car community. Over the last four years, Jeremy and the classic car crew have built enormous fan following. Today's road trip yields stories ranging from his first vehicle, a 1956 Ford F100, to his perennial trips to SEMA. Join us for some Southern California car coolness. So, let's get revved up! Hello and welcome back, Jeebers, to your favorite informative automotive podcast. I am your trusted host, Darren, and this is episode 84. So excited for you to meet our friends at Classic.com. They are on the West Coast. They are California-based and have done an amazing thing over the last four years. They have grown their fan base significantly. And it all started off on Facebook and just building that community of of car uh, enjoyment enthusiasts. And before you know it, they are now uh, massive and uh, really doing some great things. In fact, I invite you to go out Check out classic.com, C-L-A-S-I-Q.com. In fact, I just this afternoon finished watching the, the full uh, episode. It was about 13 minutes, but they're doing a, a series, a uh, video series, and it's called the Classic Designer Series. And with that, they'll interview some amazing talent. Uh, in fact, the first one was with a gentleman that was with General Motors. He designed Buicks. And you're, you're, you can see some of the original renderings and drawings he had done from the art studio. Just uh, really great work. So so excited for you to get to meet Jeremy today that he will be the focus of today's interview. And uh, if you like what you hear with uh, Cars of Carlisle, continue to uh, reach out to us. Let us know feedback. We appreciate that. You can always contact me directly at Cars of Carlisle at Outlook.com. My team and I will be uh, sure to respond to you on that. But like, rate, review, share, put the word out there. We greatly appreciate that. So good to have you be part of all this. So today's trivia question is going to have to do with a, a comment that Jeremy will make in the show. In fact, his first vehicle was not a car, but a truck. And I am going to uh, honor that with a trivia question around that vehicle. So in 1956, Ford had the F100. It was considered a one-year-only body style with that pickup truck. What were some of the distinguishing aspects of the 1956 F-Series or F100? That answer at the end of this episode. So let's head out to San Francisco and talk with Jeremy. And uh, this is, uh, an, I think, an interview you're going to really enjoy. So let's take a quick road trip. 
Hello, Cubers. This is Darren, and I am on the phone tonight with San Francisco talking to Jeremy Berenbaum. He is the creative director for Classic.com, and he is taking time. It's 3 o'clock there to, uh, to do this phone interview. And, Jeremy, thanks so much for taking a, a part of your Monday to do that. Oh, yeah, no problem, Nate, Darren. I really appreciate you having me here on behalf of Classic. So it's really cool and fun to do. Great. Well, let's. I definitely want to understand. Um, we, we and I talked at the end of the week previous week but i think it'd be good just to set the context and the setting for the listeners of cars of carlisle just what classic.com is and just a little bit about uh what the mission is that uh charlie who's uh co-founder and coo uh charlie rubin and, and uh david zisblatt uh founder and ceo uh what what their mission has been and and how you you factor in all of that maybe we can just talk a little bit about classic certainly want to give a chance to to promote that and then let's come back around and talk about your journey as uh, as a car person. Yeah, totally. Um, so Classic kind of emerged. It's always been a community-focused um, car group. Um, I would say about two and a half years ago, David had started this Facebook group called Classic Car Labs. And um, it started to grow really quickly, and people just loved what he was giving in terms of classic car posts daily and information on builds. And that kind of got into a dialogue with David and the community in terms of, what are you guys missing? What do you guys want? And, you know, after a bunch of conversations, we kind of built up this uh, website, which is a marketplace uh, where people can buy and sell parts, can uh, see... Uh, different stories of cars in the community, and that has been uh, our real big focus is to just keep giving people content that they want to watch daily. Well, it sounds um, just by the, the exponential growth, you saw the need, you heard them, you answered it, and what I like from what I've done in just researching classic and everything is that it's like any good business it's ever evolving and you're ebbing and flowing as the needs of your followers and your customers and uh what what they're asking for and and that's important to be very agile and uh able to move with the needs of the market and of the hobby yeah we really just want to be community focused we're always listening to um the community members on pinch points they have or things they want to see like if there's different types of cars or stories that people want to hear, like we can actively go out and try and chase those things down to bring it to people. And um, I think some of the coolest uh, feedback we get is from people that say, hey, I don't have a classic car community in my hometown or where I live, but through um, what you guys are giving me, um, I have a place to still interact with that community and, and see those classic cars. And that's important. I mean, we, certainly we're, we're a virtual society much more than ever before. And uh, it's a matter of belonging. I think people just want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And you do offer a bit of that, uh, that virtual car club and, and a way that people, wherever they may be all over the country or beyond uh, Canada and other countries, they feel like they can have a virtual uh chair in the garage to pull it up and have a to kind of shoot the breeze and talk about challenges with uh, trying to replace uh, some linkage or a suspension or whatever it might be that they have a place to go exactly that's great oh, that's excellent anything else that you want to mention for classic or to, to promote um 
you know what, I think as we talk, we'll kind of get into different things that we're doing, but I know right now, and actually today is the first day that we're releasing online at classic.com, uh, a trailer for a 10-part series that we're doing that's going to come out um, right after Thanksgiving. And what that is, is we went to Detroit, and um, we sat down with some designers that worked for um, some of the big manufacturers like General Motors and Ford at the time, um, and they give us access to all their drawings and art, and we sat down and talked to them about their life experience, you know, how they got into the careers that they they were in, and kind of like what, what a day in the life of an automotive stylist or designer looked like. Um, and through that process, we get to um, see a lot of their art, which is really amazing because, you know, everyone is in love with these cars on the street, um, but it's really cool to see the art that contributes to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, absolutely, and I know that uh, just the even the early iterations of a particular design or a redesign of a model, uh, maybe a new model that's being introduced. Just the the uh, I know it's usually proprietary, but if some of those drafts find their way out of the or off campus, people just go you know go nuts for that because it's it's showing what a moment in time may have been for the newest generation of a particular vehicle, and that's. Again, you're seeing raw thoughts. You're seeing how, uh, what design elements, uh, design cues may work, may not work. Then marketing and, and other research may say that that doesn't go well or, or due to market group analysis, this needs to be reduced or what have you. But I think it'd be fascinating just to hear, like you said, those stories and to understand what it is like to, to get up every morning and to go, a, go to a job like that. Oh, totally. I mean, the stories are incredible, you know, from going between like, hey, we got to keep these drawings in our studio or in our design studio so they don't leak to other studios. Even within the same manufacturer, they want to mm. keep those designs strictly for themselves because they love the way it looks to um, these stories about how designs are finding their way, you know, through uh, spies buying, you know, General Motors trash so that they could hopefully find designs um, in there for upcoming cars. So the stories are just like countless, and it's amazing to sit down with these guys and really hear um, a lot of what goes into these cars and, uh, you know, how they were designed. That's that's great. So, no, I definitely am going to be checking that out, and I encourage my listeners to go out. And you said it was a 10-part series, correct, Jeremy? Correct. So we're starting that at the end of November, but today on the website there's a trailer that's kind of showing – uh, kind of what it looks like in, and some of the art that's going to be involved. Okay, outstanding. Now, you were obviously part of that uh, that trip to Detroit and working with the sound crews and all that. What might it, and this is maybe a good segue for some of the interviews you did, but what falls in, maybe there isn't a typical day, but what would an, uh, an average day maybe look like for you as creative director for Classic? Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, well, you know, most weekends, uh, especially during the nice weather months um, in, you know, California, we kind of have nice weather all the time. We're a little bit spoiled, so we got classic <laughs> cars, you know, almost 365 days a year. But so on weekends, I usually like to spend my mornings, um, you know, maybe going for a drive by myself a little bit, just kind of clear my head, then I'll go to a car show. And I just, I love walking around and talking to people and, and, and seeing interesting cars, um, hearing how people acquired these different cars. Cause to me, it's really a vehicle that, you know, 
you might have only had it for 10 years or 15 years, but what has this card done before that? What's the history of it? And so when you find cards that you can talk to someone and they, they tell you a story, I find that really fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'll go to some shows. I like to do like a Facebook Live through our classic account, and um, that way I give people a little bit of a view of the show we're at, and I'll kind of highlight some cards um, and kind of talk a little bit about that. And then uh, I try and, like I said, with the people I talk to, um, we'll go out and film with them and talk about their car and listen to their stories. Mm -hmm. And then those go live on our website. I like that. That's really so cool. that, that, that might be a typical weekend day. Um, during the week, uh, there's, you know, a lot of, uh, what would you say, like managerial work to make all this happen and get the filming mm -hmm. um, scheduled out and get camera crews to certain locations. And then, you know editing all the footage that uh comes from it okay got it so yeah that, that would be a lot of hours where you have to be heads down and really concentrated and focused to know from a continuity standpoint and so that the overall product flows together and i get it i i, I did some of that uh, uh back in my college days not digitally but with the three-quarter inch tape and everything so i i understand the whole concept and the process Oh man, I'm shooting some 35 millimeter film and I'm scanning it all myself, so I can't even imagine what it's like to edit uh, film tape. Yeah, that's that's a special. I think it takes a special patience for sure. Well, and it's uh, uh and like some of the car stuff, it's a dying art. It's something that you know is uh, slowly drifting away from us. You're right. That's a very good point. In fact, anything that's hands-on, tangible, physical. Um, that requires that manual dexterity and things like that. It's it's less and less. Things are becoming more CAD, uh, and it's so much more virtual. And then I think with AI being introduced into everything, uh, the human aspect will be less and less. Hopefully, the creative will never be pushed to the wayside. But uh, I I have to say I agree with you on that statement for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, it's really cool because right now we still have a lot of people around with first-hand accounts of how some of these first cars are being done, and, and you know, they'll tell you that, you know, that, that bump on the fender was just from a rubber mallet that we had to beat the fender out so that the wheel would clear, you know, <laughs> at certain tur turns or whatnot. So, right. you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to get those sort of stories, you know, and, and I think when you put yourself in a position where you're interested in the subject and you ask people, especially um, about cars and their cars. Everyone wants to talk about their cars, so mm -hmm. um, it, it's easy to share those stories. Absolutely. That's great. I know that uh, you have to be uh, proud of uh, the work you've done on that, and it sounds like it just, uh, it's just been a real labor of love. So that's an amazing project, and we're looking forward to seeing that first, uh, first one roll out here at the end of November. So, yeah, it'll be very cool. You definitely, uh, I mean, in our, in our pre-discussion, I know you are a truck fan. You wouldn't mind having one of everything in your garage if it's a, if it's a truck and, and GMC uh, in particular is one of your favorite uh, brands slash marks. But uh, even your first vehicle, I remember talking, uh, was, uh, was a pickup. Do you want to, you, you decide how far back you want to rewind sort of the, your story when you first knew that uh, this, the car hobby is all, all that you're about. Well, I mean, even even before going out and getting my first car, you know, I kind of grew up with, uh, my dad had uh, two cars in the garage. He had like a Porsche 356 that was through my life in all sorts of different stages of, uh, what would you say, uh, restoration. Uh, um, 
And I think over the time, he's done it now three times, and he's finally finished, and I think he's happy with what he's got. Um, and then we had a 69 Mach 1. So those are the two cars I kind of grew up as, mm. like, an, uh, a young child and, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old riding around. And, you know, mm-hmm. I remember, like, squeezing inside the turbo seats with uh, both my arms next to me and sitting in to, like, help me squeeze into the bolsters. Um and that sort of thing. So uh, when I turned, you know, 15, it was already not, you know, what kind of car am I going to get? We knew I was going to get an older car, and I kind of gravitated towards trucks, like, right off the bat. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know how many people are familiar with uh, Auto Trader and, like, the Auto Trader magazine. Absolutely. That would come out on it was either Tuesday or Thursday. I failed to remember now, but I remember going to, you know, the local uh, corner store and picking up with my dad, and, you know, you flip through it. And you want to call people on the day that it comes out or the next day because the good stuff ends up ends up uh, getting bought. Absolutely. So I remember, you know, that, that sort of deal and that hustle for a while. And um, so my dad, myself, and I drove out to go look at a 1956 Ford F100 big window um, that had some, like, you know, tasteful little things done already, but it was definitely a project. Um, and I remember driving out there it was probably like a two-hour drive and then driving home uh, my dad drove the truck and i drove with my grandfather in uh the car we went out with and like 15 miles from home my dad pulled over i definitely didn't have my license uh, or my permit i think at that point and he let me drive home and so you know that's a memory i will always have and hopefully i can share that experience you know with my kids someday <laughs> what a cool dad so then uh, you're 15, you're 15 and a half, you've got the F100 in the driveway. I'm guessing you uh, started to kind of cut your teeth on uh, just uh, restoration and, and getting it uh, ready for whenever you were fully licensed, right? Totally. And, you know, I always tell people when they ask me, you know, hey, I want to get into um, a classic car, you know, I always say, hey, how much do you have to spend? I would spend, you know, like... 20% less because things in a classic car break. And that was definitely something I learned quickly. Um, but that's definitely how you say you cut your teeth and you learn is because things break and you fix them. My weekends definitely looked like, you know, working on the cars. And then um, I, I, we never did any big shows, you know, like we entered. But, you know, I'd always want to wake up early and make sure the car was clean before we went out and drove on the weekends. Mm-hmm. That's really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get it. I think we've all had that where you just you're excited to kind of get the polished rag and and get it to shine and if if for nothing else you're not doing it so much for other people to but you just feel better about it when you're driving a, a sharp looking car that's looked like you actually care about it. Yeah, you you know you never want to do something for someone else, so you know it, it always makes you feel good when when you look good. I think it was it uh, Jerry Rice is uh, look good, feel good, play good mm-hmm. motto. Mm-hmm. Well then, uh, what uh, what happened? I know you uh, want to probably talk about Detroit Institute of Art. So you're in your teenage years. How many uh, how many years was the F100 your your primary baby? Did you then add more cars to your stable in your in your younger years? What happened next? Um, so yeah, I have the F100, and um, you know my dad and I have kind of been restoring and, and buying cars together. It's not really like a, a yours or mine type of thing. Um, cause you know, I help him out, um, on everything we do together. So it's, it's kind of like a group effort, which has always been really fun. And it's definitely been a way we've, you know, bonded throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
you know, we have a Camaro Z28, a 69 Z28. Um, and then uh, my dad likes re- weird cars, and so do I. So uh, we have a 1940 Ford cab over engine that's just kind of been uh, totally done, um, what would I say, like... Uh, 30s Art Deco style. Nice. So everything's been shaved, and um, the interior is all tuck and roll. Uh, you know, like a 1970 Volkswagen uh, single cab. Stuff like that, you know, you don't see very often. Uh, my dad has always gravitated towards uh, Porsche, so he has a 914 and a uh, 911 that he's currently working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's honestly right now a... Uh, a total shell. There's nothing but uh, metal there. It's all been taken down, and uh, we're probably like a year or two away from having that finished. Nice. Okay. Well, that sounds like a pretty good stable from you know from my standpoint, and the fact that you got to to grow up, especially the 356 and and then the 69 Mach. I mean, that's really cool cars too to to have as far as your younger years. Well, then yeah, uh, go I'm ahead. sure there's something I'm forgetting, but you know. We'll leave that for another time. I guess. Right, exactly. We, we always like, like to keep these open for uh, part twos and part threes because there are a lot more things that people think of. And, and even just the, the fans themselves will just say, that was a really fascinating, riveting story. I would love to hear more. And so, yeah, it's always good to keep that door cracked. So Yeah, to be honest, like after high school, I actually got into uh, motorcycles a little bit just because the uh, barrier – barrier of entry is a little bit easier and uh they take up a lot less space they do. so when you don't own own a place where you live it's a little bit easier to stash a bike than it is a car yeah exactly well what are some of the cool uh bikes that you've uh, you've thrown a leg over oh man um i've gotten the opportunity to ride a lot of the uh honda like the 70 style honda so the 550 the 750 uh the cbx um, I've ridden the 750 automatic as well, um, and a 350 kind of in that range of Hondas, mm-hmm. and then uh, a lot of old Triumphs, um, a 67 Norton Atlas. Um, I kind of gravitate towards old things, you know, there's kind of like a definitely a mechanical feel that goes into, you know, driving or riding in a, uh, an old bike uh, that I think you don't really get in newer uh, vehicles. Yeah, I agree. I think there's something about you can feel more of what's going on mechanically. Um, and my father had a '66 Chevy 2 Nova that was just a fun little deuce, and you could you can feel and hear that the the transmission engaging. You can uh, smell the motor oil. You've got the hint of gas. There's just uh, something more. I don't know, ephemeral, and you're you're just more immersed in it. Now we're almost cocooned in these filter you know these filtered cabins and everything else it's not the same oh totally and it, you know you kind of like you think about it um one of my favorite cars to drive is the z28 and it, you know it's got a lengthy four speed and you could be going like four thousand rpms and which in today in a modern car is nothing but the car feels like it's screaming down the road mm-hmm. you really feel the acceleration um you might not be going you know a modern car today 60 to 100 happens in one two seconds Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. where, 
you still feel it in a classic car, but it's a little, it's totally different. It is. It is. I think there's, and I, and I like all cars, all eras, but they each have their benefits. And sometimes to me, it's, they have different smile factors. I mean, it, when, when your cheeks hurt because you're having such a good time behind the wheel of a car or being taken, <laughs> being taken for a ride, you can't fake that. You really can't. Now, you're like me. You get to go and you talk to a lot of car people and you get to see a lot of cars. What kind of cars do you see that just make you either laugh or smile or like really have to go investigate further into? Yeah, for me, it's usually anything that's uh, like a super stock or something that is – it's basically a race car and or drag car that is somehow Pennsylvania state legal and has a tag on it. And, and <laughs> I like it when it's just completely – nasty and raw um i don't know something about that just kind of makes me perk up like wow you have my attention so definitely like more of a straight line car correct yeah and i, I mean i believe and i i love seca i love uh just whole road rally i mean just car handling i i got to drive my corvette at um, watkins Glen just uh, back in july that was uh, an amazing experience uh and then and I've also taken it to to the drags. So, you know, both both disciplines are great and a lot of fun for different reasons. Very different skill set. But uh, yeah, I like when a, I like when a car can do more than just go fast and straight. But boy, if you have if you're in the right car and you're clicking off the quarter mile pretty fast, that smile does it does come back up on the face for sure. So let me ask, have you ever, since you're on the East Coast, gotten to partake or go watch any of the uh, Drag League events? Because to me, on the West Coast, I always wish they'd be out here or somewhere closer because that seems like such fun to have these, like you said, pro street cars, but still have the ability or have to drive them from event to event. Right. Now, I've I've been fortunate enough to spend, since my teenage years, uh, hanging at Maple Grove Speedway, which is in Redding, Pennsylvania, and it's uh, it's a full professional quarter mile and uh, the NHRA circuit comes through there so you'll have everything from the locals that are running their their street stock super stock all the way up to top fuel as well as you know jet cars so uh, that's a lot of fun plus uh, there's an eighth mile track that's only about 12 minutes from my driveway uh, that I love to frequent and go to and in fact when I was in uh, Boise Idaho also in July, I uh, I had a chance to borrow a car and I ran I think four or five passes for a night grudge grudge racing on a Saturday night in uh, out just about an hour outside of the city. So, you know, any chance to to kind of do those kinds of things, it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, I love uh, road tracks and and that uh, knowing when to hit the apex and when to feather the throttle and and just kind of heel toe as best you can and some other things it's it's just pretty much anything having to do with cars the automotive hobby the racing uh, aspects uh, any of it i am i'm i'm full on addicted totally me too i mean growing up in la i was really close to pomona so you get your nhra oh, drive yeah. Up. yeah and then and, you know, equal but opposite direction, you have Willow Springs, you know, fastest road in the West, which is yes. because, you know, they're testing all the cars there if you want to go see cool stuff. And then I've also had the experience or the opportunity to get to go out there on the track and uh, drive that as well, which is really cool. Well, so, you know, at, at the end of the day, owning these cars is great. Driving them in traffic 
instinct. So when you really get to, you know, open it up or let them right. do what they're designed to do, that's right. the best thing you get. You got that right. In fact, uh, we talked about it here before we started uh, to record, so everybody listening, but uh, Jeremy and I were talking how um, – and again, I'm and there's I'm not not getting anything benefit from this other than just to tell everyone that's listening it's worth your while. I've seen uh, the Ford versus Ferrari movie twice in the last four days, and uh, Jeremy's going to be going here around Thanksgiving. This this will be airing uh, in in early December. But what's interesting why I bring this up is because a lot of the uh, of the story being told in the Ford versus Ferrari film is based around Willow Springs for everything from testing and what have you. So uh, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with that, as uh, Jeremy said, the fastest road in the West and um, you know, just home of uh, Motor Trend and, and all kinds of uh, testing and what have you, you'll learn more about it if you happen to go to the theater to see the film. Oh, that's kind of cool and interesting because I, you know, I haven't seen it yet. Now I know that uh, Willow Strings is in there, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, you'll you'll be proud of it. It's really great. It's quite a it's quite a tough track if you've ever driven it. Uh, you get you get up to a lot of speed and get yourself into trouble really quickly. Yeah, I've I've never driven it uh, other than uh, <laughs> other than behind the wheel of my Xbox uh, on <laughs> playing as from from a driving simulator standpoint, but just that these blind. Uh, off camber crests and everything else at least uh, from a video game standpoint i can tell you it is exactly what you say it's tough real tough oh uh, we got to get you out here on the west coast then to uh, experience it in real life because uh, uh, you know i don't play video games but i have no idea how that translates to you know what it's really like well i will uh i'll book the flight let's we can talk offline but i would love that that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome Perfect. well what uh then obviously you're through your high school years and what have you talk maybe a little bit about just how you were able to meld a couple different worlds obviously being extremely uh, gifted from a creative standpoint having an eye for things uh your time at detroit institute of art and then really the the best of all of your of your favorite worlds if you will yeah so that kind of like uh came really organically you know um my cousin was really good friends with David, who was starting this, you know, online community, and, and he knew my passion for cars, and so when I started talking with David at Classic, it really, you know, meshed perfectly, really, really quick, um, and we, we kind of figured out quickly what, what it was we wanted to give the community, and that was, you know, try and give them as much video and car content as possible, so um, for the first year when I started with them, I was on the road a lot, basically just going into people's garages and, you know, sit down with a camera rolling and say, hey, what, what's, uh, what's your passion? How'd you get into the, the car world? So I started working with David. We started talking about how we can really benefit this community, and that was, you know, giving them classic car content all the time as much as possible. And so mm -hmm. for that first year, I was out on the road kind of filming, going into people's garages, talking about their collection and their passion for cars. Uh, and that was really interesting. And then you know, you know, you got to go back in and, and edit it all and make it into a story that people can watch. But uh, from that experience of you know going into these people's garages and sitting one on one, you get these really amazing, interesting stories that are sometimes about the car, but sometimes about so much more than you know just the automobile. Well, I, I think there's just I know that every hobby, whether it's yarn collection or whatever it might be, has its own thing. But I, I think you would agree that 
there's something extremely special about the car hobby in the sense that my listeners have heard me say this ad nauseum, um, but it brings people, we've talked about it before, I think when we, we talked Friday, no matter your, uh, where you're coming from, your background, socioeconomic situation, it doesn't matter that it, it draws people from all over the world, from very diverse and different backgrounds, but that passion, that love, goes it transcends anything that uh may be uh, you know a dividing point and everyone gathers under an open hood at, at uh at a car show or a concourse or whatever it might be and they they all have that same interest and i think that's really a great part about the automotive world no totally you have these people that um you know through their daily life might not you know as walking down the street be interacting with the people around them but uh, one day a week on on saturdays or sundays they go to the car show and they have this like bond between perfect strangers that you can come up to someone and not feel weird asking them a question and that really opens the door for people to engage and and and, you know talk about more than just the car that's there and that's pretty amazing and then you get you bring in different nationalities and races and languages and it doesn't matter because you have one common uh love and and you know it's it's right there it's in front of you it's tangible um and for the most time it like evokes a memory or feeling of your past and i think that's why it's so great at like bridging gaps so you know i've met people all over the all over the world and you know talking about different things all of a sudden you say you're into cars and it just it, it snowballs into a time where you're like sitting at a table for hours beyond hours that you didn't plan on doing talking about you know something that's so trivial as uh an argument i had with friends versus the length of a quarter mile track and how it used to be a quarter mile and now it's not a quarter mile you know and and people get heated but it's it's all about passion now i really um i feel fortunate and I'm sure you do too. That we get to be involved in uh, in this, and we get to we get to go behind the scenes and and maybe do a little bit more than we would if we didn't have press credentials and that type of thing. And I think that uh, I would like for others to hear about the fact uh, you've done something three times that I haven't even had a chance to yet, just based on some some planning and logistic uh, challenges. But uh, been to SEMA all three years that you've been with Classic, correct? I've been to SEMA a lot more than three years, but yeah, the past three years, um, I went with Classic. Uh, This year, we were actually shooting with Jimmy Shine and uh, some of the guys he works with at the Jimmy Shine Speed Shop, and I don't know if you're familiar with who Jimmy Shine is. He kind of grew up working at um, SoCal Customs, which was doing the Bonneville Racers, and he's he's a big... Uh, Bonneville racer himself, and um, so we wa- we got to walk around, meet meet some of his friends, talk to some distributors. But yeah, SEMA is an amazing time for the car community because you know everyone kind of converges on Las Vegas uh, with one common interest, and in that's cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and that's that's the really great aspect of it. Beyond the three years with Classic, uh, how many years or how many times do you think you've had a chance to visit total? Oh, man, I think I've, I've been maybe between eight and ten times. I've probably lost a little count. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's really cool to see how much the event has grown each year. It seems like every year they're kind of doing things, you know, in terms of the size of the event, but also the type of cars that are there every year. Builders are, like, one-upping 
the next. And it's in every category between classic cars, supercars, anything aftermarket for any era of car, you will see it at SEMA, which is pretty cool. That is excellent. What other um, parts about your journey, the, the cult, you know, car community and things like that that you would like to share uh, with my listeners or anything to promote or to put out there? I, I want to I give you that opportunity. Yeah, I would love to to get people to go out and check out the stories that we have on our website mm-hmm. um, because I, to me, you know, I, I'm witnessing them, so I, I find them really cool and fascinating. But um, I also want people to check it out and say, hey, I have an idea or I have a story, um, and, and you can email us at contact at classic.com. That would be, you know, and, and we'll come out, we'll film your story, we'll talk to you about cars because... Um, to me, it's like documenting this stuff for future generations to see, and I find that really fascinating in the car world because uh, everyone's got a story, and I love how it like interweaves all over the place. Well, that's that's the really cool thing too is that um, people have a chance to be heard, and I like uh, the, the approach that you're taking on it, and, and that is really documenting. Um, Aspects that will maybe pass on with people as they leave this world. The fact that they firsthand may have uh, bumped elbows with uh, the deuce, Henry Ford II at Ford Motor Company back in the mid-60s. Or they had a chance to one time to ride along with someone as they were doing an early morning test at Bonneville. Or it, It's that kind of thing that maybe even their own friends and family don't know about, but when they talk to someone like Classic, or maybe I get a chance to talk to them, or, or others that are in this, this this sector, that comes out and everyone gets to enjoy that and, and feel good about that. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I look at it from, from the standpoint of, you know, semi-documenting history and these stories, and so um, if you have a cool picture of a, a, a story that goes with it, or, a, you know, a little video strip or anything, we would love to see it, we will share it, you know, with our community, um, because it is history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree. And and I getting back to what we said at the, at the beginning, it's a chance for people to virtually feel like they can pull up a bar stool or a chair or uh, a lawn chair or whatever it is and just hang out in this large virtual garage and talk to people that may have knowledge of how to get work through a particular challenge that they've been facing in their own garage bay. Um, what they should be looking for if they're going out to buy a particular make and model to restore. To your point about uh, allow yourself some of that that budget beyond what you normally think. It's just every aspect like that. That's the internet has afforded us all an amazing so, bo- new world. We we have articles written on our website that you know maybe teach first-hand buyers between you know about parts you know OEM versus aftermarket um, you know different things to look for when you're buying your car or if you're selling your car, you know, how to take good pictures and present it the best way possible to do justice. You know, we have uh, guides on our website to kind of walk people through those different steps. Um, and if there's something that someone is interested in and uh, we don't have it, you know, email us, let us know. Say, hey, I really want to know, um, like, how to tell uh if, if there's body rot in the car um, and you know we can go out there and start writing a guide try and get you know I can go out and get some pictures and some photos of places to look at least give someone an educated place to start with when they go out to, to buy their first car it might not be their first car but you know to get a good candidate for themselves yeah, that's right no and I think that's that's 
to me, that's a value add. That's what you're you're giving back to the car community, and they have a chance to really benefit and learn from something uh, through your site and through what you all are are working to accomplish. So that's an impressive thing. And I, like anything, I often say I hope to be uh, an ongoing part of the the classic.com group, and and certainly you and the guys are now part of the Cars of Carlisle family, and. And that's that's the really fun part about the the hobby. There's it's not this overly competitive. We're trying to all elbow each other. There's there's plenty of greatness for everybody, and opportunities to uh, to you know cooperate and and uh, uh, confer on things, and, and at the same time just have fun talking about the things we love. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, you should come out to. Uh, we'll, we'll try and do something um, at Willow Springs. Maybe we can film it, and that way we can share it with both our communities. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, work together that way we're spreading the classic car love right I love it I'm actually going to write that on my uh, vision board <laughs> trip to Willow Springs in 2020 oh perfect well it, that's coming soon enough I can't believe it we're almost at the end of the year <laughs> that's great well I want to give you my friend the, the final word go ahead with whatever you want to whatever you want to close with Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I could probably talk for another hour. <laughs> um, if you, and if you want to kill it, we can do that. But uh, I do. No, uh, like I said, I just want, you know, everyone that's listening to know that if there's something in the classic car world that, that they feel is missing or they want to bring to the community, let us know at Classic and, you know, we can try and implement those sort of things. Uh, but until then, I'd love people to come, browse our website, check out our stories, um, and, you know, watch that get in get into the mood of the car community and then you know if you feel like looking for a car we have we have that available for you too we can try and help you uh get get in a nice ride that's perfect and i really am i'm proud and glad to know that listeners of this show have that as a resource and an opportunity and for me there's so much uh there's so much for everyone to benefit from again it's a blending as you said it really well an opportunity to blend our communities and grow together so that's great Awesome. Well, I cool. can't well, thank, thank you for having me. No, Jeremy, thank you very much. I know it's uh it's just about uh, twenty of four, quarter of four on the uh, on the left coast, but uh, thank you so very much. And we're going to go ahead and and uh, uh, wrap this up now. Thanks again. Welcome back to Cars of Carlisle Studio. Hope you enjoyed our talk with Jeremy. Really interesting guy. Love what Classic.com is doing. In fact, we're hoping to uh, do some more work with them in the 2020 year, perhaps some partnerships and some other things. But really a great group of car enthusiasts, uh, car aficionados, people that really understand that people are everything with our hobby and that car community is so strong, especially when we all work together and collaborate and and share ideas and and really look out for one another, which is a a big part of what Classic.com is and certainly what Cars of Carlisle is about. With uh, with us, it's the the car community, car culture. So a big thanks to our friends at Classic.com and to Jeremy for his time and and, uh, really a great discussion. So you heard about his uh, first vehicle, and the trivia question I'd ask was, what were some of the distinct aspects of the 1956 Ford F100, as that was a one-year-only style? And the answer to that is this, that uh, that you can really identify the 56 F100 because it has uh, that wraparound windshield, has the vertical windshield pillars. That's a bit of a deviation from what you saw in the 53 to 55 
models. They had more of the angled wind, windshield and uh, the slope pillars themselves. Also, one of the distinct things about a 56 F100 is that back window. And as an option, you could have had that wraparound glass, which made it incredibly uh, unique. Uh, so those are the uh, the distinguishing characteristics of the 56, and hope you uh, got at least some or most of those answers right. So I wanted to again tell you all how much we appreciate you being part of this show each and every week. Please continue to put the word out and share. We want to grow and make this everything you want it to be. Uh, please reach out to us. Let us know what we can do. You are the uh, the reason why we're doing it. And uh, it's glad to have you on board. Even, even if it's just 20, 30, 40-minute uh, escapes from everyday life, these weekly road trips are a great way to uh, just kind of forget about life for a little bit. So for now, I'm going to say drive well, be well, and take care.